I was used to doing a lot of the things Maxine does for him now. And it was hard. It was hard to let go of some of that and at the same time freeing. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on Dog Words, trainers Jason and Sandra Sindeldecker tell us about their work with Missouri Patriot Paws. Subscribe to Rosie Fund's YouTube channel for video of the Sindeldecker's training service dogs to use their new boots. We have more videos coming from Missouri Patriot Paws, so click on the bell to be notified when those are posted. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. The only way we know what topics and guests you like is if you tell us. Then we'll try to deliver more of that. Please download, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share dog words. Next time on Dog Words, we explore acupuncture for dogs and other veterinary topics with Dr. Sally Barchman from State Line Animal Hospital and Holistic Health. Remember, you can commission recent Dog Words guest Ashley Shans through her Facebook page, Shans' Sketchbook, to sketch a beautiful memento of your pet with the proceeds benefiting charities. This makes a great gift, especially if you know someone who has lost a pet. Please use the keyword Rosie, R-O-S-I-E, when you contact Ashley if you want Rosie Fund to be the beneficiary charity. At Rosie Fund, we encourage you to make a difference in a shelter dog's life. You can do just that by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. Use the link in the description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission to help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guests on Dog Words, we have three guests, actually, and I only have two mics, which works out because the third guest probably doesn't need a mic. If Maxine wants to jump in, we'll be able to hear Maxine, but seems so well-behaved, I don't know that that'll be an issue. Those who are on mics are Jay and Sandra Sindeldecker from Missouri Patriot Paws. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you. Jay, you're a trainer with Missouri Patriot Paws, and Sandra, you're on the board for Missouri Patriot Paws. We've had Susan Henkel from Missouri Patriot Paws on, but could one of you tell our listeners, what is that organization? Missouri Patriot Paws is a nonprofit. We provide service dogs to veterans or first responders that have been diagnosed with PTSD or brain injury. We do that primarily by shelter rescuing. We shelter rescue the dog and we pair them with the veteran or first responder and then we train together for that dog to become their service dog. I know over the course of this interview we'll hear a lot more about Missouri Patriot Paws, but I'll also put a link in the description for this episode to the Susan Hinkle interview for someone to learn more. And I'll also put, of course, a link to Missouri Patriot Paws. And Jay, how did you come to find out about Missouri Patriot Paws? I am a veteran myself, first off. Second, I was diagnosed with both PTSD and a traumatic brain injury. So I went to my doctor and he recommended Battle Buddy Service Dogs. And that's where I did all my training with Maxine and got Maxine from. And then Battle Buddies, about a year, year and a half after I graduated, was closing. And they folded into Missouri Patriot Paws. 
Missouri Patriot Paws is headquartered out of Rolla. The two of you are in the Kansas City area. So we've got the east side of the state covered, and you guys are kind of covering the west side of the state. You help identify dogs for service, or do you just train them after they've been selected? It's a little bit of both. We are in constant contact with the local shelters. They contact us when they think they have a potential candidate, Mm -hmm. um, and they'll hold that dog for us if we don't have the veteran or first responder. And then we'll go check out the dog, put it through some paces. If we agree with the shelter, then we'll move ahead and we'll go through our waiting list that we have, and then we'll pair them with a veteran or first responder. We also work closely with Susan. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, most all the dogs that we've done recently came out of another part of the state. So sometimes, too, besides shelter rescues, maybe the veteran or first responder already has their dog. So we would then go to their home, meet their dog, do a dog evaluation, see if they're able to become a service dog. And then if they are, then they get to use the dog that they're already bonded with in their home. Also, we have lots of people that want to donate dogs to us. Um, So it's kind of a mixture between them already having their dog, a shelter rescue, and then a donation. And on the rare case, we pick them up off the street. Yes, we have had Susan. Actually, one of our teams was a a complete stray off the street that she found was given to her. And she held on to, that's a Haven hero. She held on to her for several weeks before we found the perfect veteran. But it's a lot of process of pairing the right personality with a veteran that we've met or have on the list waiting. I've never really thought about the temperament, and we've had a few different guests talking about service dogs and the importance of finding the right dog with the right temperament and the right skill set for whatever needs to be done. But I've not thought about you also need to evaluate their partner to make sure it's a fit. Right, because not all personalities match. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes we find where we've placed a dog and they don't match, so Mm -hmm. we have to place them with someone else. It's like playing matchmaker. (laughs) You're like, I I may know this woman. I'm going to introduce her to my best friend. Exactly. But if they don't fit... We're dog mm. people matchmakers, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for the relationship that they're going to have, it it needs to be a match from day one. And sometimes we find when we bring a dog to a veteran, especially shelter dogs, maybe the veteran goes and sees four or five dogs before they choose. Mm -hmm. And we find the dog chooses the veteran. (laughs) I think we all find the dog chooses us, whether Mm -hmm. it's a service dog or just giving a dog, any dog, it's forever home. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, there's no shortage of dogs in shelters, period, Mm -hmm. but not even appropriate dogs for being service dogs or therapy dogs, assistance dogs. There's no shortage of those dogs. And also, unfortunately, there's no shortage of veterans and first responders in need of a dog. So the two of you and Missouri Patriot Paws have to be so busy because you're there's never going to come a day where you go well we've solved that now let's move on to global warming and the (laughs) mid-east and fix all those problems you're going to be busy with this forever yeah it's uh it seems to be going and growing 
as the years go, I think when we were initially with Battle Buddy Service Dogs, we averaged eight to 10 dogs. This year with Patriot Paws, I've got 12. That's just here in the Kansas City area. Typically, we have a handful in several other parts, like you say, in the east and the south with Rolla and St. Louis. And so, yeah, we're we're busy. <laughs> it would be hard to ask for help when you need help, even if you're told, as in your case, Jay, by a doctor that here's the diagnosis. Did the doctor say a dog would be a good idea or necessary or was it the Veterans Administration? How did you get to the point where you realize a dog needs to be part of my life? Well, I've always been a dog person. Always. I grew up with dogs. I love dogs. He's the dog whisperer. <laughs> so to get a prescription that says, the get dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, that was kind of a nice. It's like, well, I twist my arm. But no, um, actually I was sitting there and, and, I had thought about it for a while about getting a service dog because I had seen the cards and stuff laying around his office. But at the time that I had seen it, I had just lost my boxer Mm -hmm. I had from Pup. So I was kind of heartbroken from that, and I I didn't want another dog right then. And then we rescued an old boxer Mm -hmm. and gave her a good time at the end of her life. And then I just got to the point where I was like, well... I'm not going to go out and find another dog. Might as well give this a try and see how it goes. And I took a card the next appointment I was in and contacted them and got on the way. Have you found other veterans and first responders who are resistant either because they're not a dog person or like you, it's like, I don't feel like it's the right time for me? Yeah, I've found a couple. I'm still talking to a couple of them. They have their own issues, mm-hmm. and everybody does. But, yeah, it's a timing thing. You really have to, with the training regiment that we have, you really have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at committing a full year of your time to mm-hmm. us. That's from get-go. We come in and we tell you, look, for the next year, this is what you're doing. Yeah, this isn't like trying a med and, you know, yeah. let us know in a couple of weeks and then we'll adjust the meds. <laughs> this is a commitment right. for a year and then you've invested your time as the person who needs the dog, the dog that could have been trained for someone else if you bail on it, not to mention the time of volunteers like yourselves who are putting all of these resources into making the match and doing the training Yeah, it's difficult on the veteran or the first responder to admit that they need the dog. But it's also that big commitment, but also for some of them, it's a huge change. And we've had at least a couple veterans in our last graduating class that had never owned a dog in their life ever. (laughs) So they're looking at us like, what? What do we have to do for a yeah, year? Yeah, so not just learning the, the commands for the service part of it, but what do I feed it? How often do I feed exactly. it? Exactly. So, um, you know, then you get calls every day. Is this normal? <laughs> you know, because dogs, yeah. but... My dog um, is staring at me. What do I do? Yeah, so it's really Love scary. It. Yeah. When we meet a veteran, they go through the application process. We then go and do a home evaluation 
When I do that, I make sure that they have a good support system. It's so important for these guys that have trauma and have a lot of things going on that when we do that, we make sure they have a support system, but also I visit with them and talk about what their needs are. Say it's anger with their PTSD and they're worried about, I'm going to get angry at the dog, you know. You don't want to give them the dog and that be an added layer of stress. Exactly, because your service dog should never make (laughs) you more anxious than you already Mm -hmm. are. Your service dog should help you. So we do a lot of investigating into what the dog's going to do for them, how they feel about it, and how their family is going to feel about it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's difficult for the family too, because a service dog is not a family pet. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that people don't think of too, is that your wife and kids or whoever are not going to be playing with it a whole lot. Because you want to make sure, too, that the dog is bonding to that one person and not necessarily the family as a whole, at least while you're training and bonding. And for a caregiver to recognize this is another support for your loved one, they're not displacing you. The caregiver might have some issues with thinking, I'm being... Absolutely. 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 And I felt that with Jason uh, getting Maxine. I hope you know we're married. (laughs) Obviously we're together. I was was struck by what a coincidence that you're both named Sindeldecker. That's not the most common name. You do know this, right? (laughs) Some people that meet us. I've done the math. (laughs) Some people that meet us don't. And then they're like, oh, wait, you live together? Uh, (laughs) How exactly does this program work? This matchmaking, they really take this seriously. I know, right. (laughs) Well, so when when Jason got Maxine, I had been his caregiver maybe eight years. Yeah, about eight, nine years. A long time. And so I was used to doing a lot of the things Maxine does for him now. And it was hard. It was hard to let go of some of that. And at the same time, freeing. Because... Mm -hmm. I had to learn to also trust her that she's doing the job that needs to be Mm -hmm. done. So then... Well, even if you're not married as a caregiver... Right. It would... It's hard. Caregivers are going to have an emotional connection to these are the things I do. And if you see your husband hugging a dog, crying with a dog sharing emotions with the dog it's well well, i'm here it's kind of jealous yeah and you feel silly because you're like oh i'm jealous of this dog but it's real emotions yeah it's uh it is difficult and we have some maybe it's a daughter maybe it's you know a friend that's helping them but every person that comes in the program has some sort of support system and sometimes it ends up being us (laughs) Mm -hmm. that we're their support system but which is what we try to do here in the kansas city area because after you complete our program, we don't just, all right, we're done with you. Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Now, we'll, we'll send you an alumni newsletter. Yeah. We, we have guys that, you know, Susan still talks to the first one that went through the program. We contact every graduate every regularly. Every graduate gets contacted regularly, see how they're doing. We contact them and, you know, how are you doing? You know, you need something? How's your dog? How's the family? 
obviously you want to continue to support them, but it's a two-way street because you're constantly learning from them. It's like a car manufacturer following up with a survey five years later, 10 years later, how's your car performing? So they know we can continue to make better cars. For sure. And it changes how we train and what we train. And it's even changed the type of dog we look for or, you know, maybe a certain breed isn't necessarily a good service dog, but is a good pet. But yeah, we definitely have them come back. And we have guys come back and say, hey, now that I'm out on my own, I see that this is a problem or I'm not comfortable with this. Can you help me? So we come back and train again. There's probably problems that they have that they don't even recognize until the service animal helps them address the most obvious problems, almost triage. It's like, we're not going to work on this Nick because you're bleeding out. It's like, once you take care of the bleeding out, saying, oh yeah, and you have a chipped tooth. Exactly. Exactly. That's perfect analogy. (laughs) And we find too, the guys get out and they haven't been out for years, some of them. And so they're out with their dog and then their whole being changes. This Mm -hmm. dog changes them. They just don't, expect that I think until after they're graduated and out on their own and they're like oh wow go places they couldn't go before right. experience things that would have been too big of a challenge absolutely and now the the dog helps them get through that Jay if you don't mind sharing what are some of the benefits that you've noticed perhaps immediately upon getting Maxine and then over the years that maybe have been eye-opening or surprises with having Maxine um A lot of us veterans, we don't get out of the house, like she said. So when you don't get out, you lose friends, you lose that connection with the outside world. And Um, when you were serving, and thank you so much for your service, you you have a network of people, even if they're not trained behavioral therapists or uh, any kind of therapist, you're in the the junk together. I'll I'll say junk, you know the word I mean, that you're in together. Yeah, it's a camaraderie. It's a brotherhood. And, and, you know, to have But then the day you're discharged, that goes away. Yeah. Well, it doesn't go away entirely. If I need something tremendously, I have a few soldiers I can call. But for the most part, yeah, it does go away. And like I tell Sandy all the time, you know, Being in a service is so much easier. You know, you do things for this reason. You know, it's black and white. Mm -hmm. You do this for this reason. You do that for that reason. Whatever. It's black and white. And then you come back to civilian life and it's gray. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, you have all this shade of gray and you're like, uh, what's the right choice here? Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, in a service, you have regulations, you have Mm -hmm. protocols, you know, to abide by and outside it you just don't and outside even when there are protocols the consequences for ignoring them are not as severe as they are in the military or as a first responder and so you've been playing by the rules and now you're surrounded by people who aren't exactly makes it a little harder to get ahead Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the things that helped you the most with joining a program was A, it didn't seem like therapy because, you know, the doctors join the therapy group, you know, Mm -hmm. and you just don't really want to because you don't always want to get together and just talk about your problems. And so, and if you've not done therapy before, just the word therapy is so nebulous. What is, 
what is this? And you talk about regulations right. and protocols. It's not like therapy is something where they hand you a checklist and say, we're going to go through these 20 items right. and then you will be discharged from therapy. You will have completed therapy. You'll get your therapy badge. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so I think a lot of the program helped him because he was getting together with a group of veterans that were like-minded. They all have PTSD or TBI. So they have similar, and you know, stories. Something else about but that they're doing something. community. Um, when you get around veterans, you'll find out it's the same moral compass, which makes a big difference in today's world. Yes. I, I, it really does because, you know, I hate to be in the grass with a snake. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, so right. I'm already down and people will use any advantage they can to keep you down. And the veterans community, we try to lift each other up because if we don't, who will? It was more trusting. You could come to a group, not talk about what's going on, just work with your dogs, love your dogs. Mm -hmm. And they, of course, we all love each other's dogs. Yes. So you look forward to coming to see their dogs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and them. But you find along the way that we become a family and that camaraderie and that military or even first responders have it of that sense of brotherhood brotherhood mm-hmm. again in this civilian world the dogs not only give you that connection but they also exemplify everything you just talked about structure selflessness loyalty right. you're describing those who serve and, and you're describing dogs Routine, yes. Like you, you don't realize how much routine really plays into it because you know military. It's all about routine, Mm -hmm. you know. And then you get out and you have no routine, so you just kind of drift in your own mind, and it becomes a problem because when you start drifting, then you start getting into those dark areas and you know whatever. But the community brings you back to that brotherhood and routine of meeting and routine has a negative connotation that uh, it's it's boring it's and it burdensome is. to having routine <laughs> but you have limited mental and emotional resources and steve jobs had his outfit that he wore right so that that was his routine because why should I waste time thinking about what pants go with what shirt? Right. What should I wear today? Is this oh. appropriate for where I'm going? It's like, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm going to put on this pair of pants, which is just like the other pair of pants I've worn for the last week, and this shirt, which is just like... I have to laugh because yeah. it was hilarious when he got out. <laughs> he barely owned civilian clothes because uh-huh. he wore a uniform every day. Don't <laughs> have to make those decisions. the first days he was retired... He went in the closet and I was standing there and he's like, I have to choose what to wear. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it was an epiphany of, Mm -hmm. oh, I get a choice today. And that can be freedom. (laughs) But also there's a great deal to be said for the routine. Because I have other more important decisions to make. I know. (laughs) And if I don't have to make a decision on what I'm going to wear or... Well, and, or other things. and in the military, the routine allows you to focus on what is important. Well, mm-hmm. and, and in the civilian world, you're judged on your appearance. You show up in a military uniform and you get that level of respect. You look at the homeless vet on the street and it's 
you don't see that mm-hmm. veteran. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, there's nothing on their collar or their yeah, yeah. You epaulet. don't see yeah. that anymore, and it's a world of difference of how you can go from being say top of the food chain down mm-hmm. to the bottom. And it, I think you just, felt that significantly. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you know it, it's a big choice. It, it really is, and when you're used to just putting on a uniform, mm-hmm. just this is what the uniform is today. Okay. To oh, now I have to go to Target and look at <laughs> yeah. all of these choices, or, or or better yet, I have to go to the VA. You know, because you're judged on your appearance there too. Mm-hmm. You know, to get your benefits and and things like that. So everything comes into play, and, and like I said, it's a lot of gray area. Do you feel having and knowing full well that your wife is sitting <laughs> across the the table from you? Do you feel like Maxine gives you something solid, an anchor that regardless of whatever else is going on, Maxine's going to be Maxine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The predictability of a trained service dog is there. And that's not to say that that predictability is not wavering because, after all, she is an animal. She Mm -hmm. has her own brain. She can think for herself. So... I just have learned to watch her closely, and if her eyebrows move, I know she's thinking about something that she shouldn't be, so I refocus her, mm-hmm. you know. And she's been so good this whole time, <laughs> better than Peaches. Peaches and Maxine met out front, and it was a nice introduction until Peaches decided to get bossy. <laughs> so now we're downstairs in the studio, and Peaches... Wore herself out for a few minutes of, of howling and pouting, and uh, I'm pretty sure now she's taking a nap in the sun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but and uh, this she, one's sleeping. But Maxine was so good and didn't seem taken aback by Peaches barking and getting all huffy. Just seemed confused. I'm adorable. Why are you, Why are you doing you? this to me? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's part of our training, though, is making the dogs not dog reactive. Mm-hmm. So she didn't react at all. She's like. What are you doing? Yeah. She didn't snap back. She didn't tuck her tail. She just sort of stood there waiting for Peaches to wear herself out. Now, she does know the difference. We have had a couple dogs try to attack us Mm -hmm. on walks or actually at Walmart one day. And Maxine came to the rescue. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knows the difference. Um, You don't Between a lot of hot air, which is what Peaches was. And actual aggression. Mm -hmm. So... It gets deceiving, though, because you see her and you're like, she didn't react at all. Mm -hmm. But had there have been a real threat, she certainly does. That's something a lot of the guys ask us because a lot of them use their dogs. uh, We train them to passively block and protect them. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and So things don't escalate. Right. Right. So they provide a barrier to whatever the threat is. Right. All of our training is passive and de-escalation. Right. Um, The last thing you want is a hypervigilant soldier or police officer, fireman, um, whatever have you, in a tense situation because we're programmed when it hits the fan, (laughs) it's muscle memory. We need to finish this. Yeah, we need to finish this. We need to react. Mm -hmm. This is how you react to this. And when you get put in that situation, it's pretty scary because it... (sighs) Like I tell her, it's it's lights out and it's muscle memory. 
And then when it's done, we, we step back, and a lot of times after a situation like that, we're like, oh. Well, then, then you debrief. Yeah, well, yeah. you debrief, but a lot of times, uh, yeah. for a lot of soldiers, you debrief in a holding cell or, you know, mm-hmm. in a jail cell for yeah. years. So the, the dog helps be passive, but also de-escalate the veteran, too, you know. And you or, may be facing a situation where... There's another dog or another human who is not de-escalating. Right. And in that situation, we train our dogs to actually pull us out of the situation. Imagine that. (laughs) It's kind of of weird because we really don't. Everybody needs one of these dogs. Dogs are amazing. Yeah. We we really don't train it, but it, it, (laughs) we do. A lot of Um, them instinctually do it. Um, A lot of our training plays on the dog's instincts. Which is uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the dogs will pull you out of that type of situation. They lead you through crowds and things. But then they also are passively there to provide a barrier. And a lot of times, even someone as sweet looking as Maxine is intimidating mm-hmm. in that situation. So she appears to be times, a German Shepherd mix. Yes. So she oh. she's a sable German Shepherd. Full. She's German Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, she's beautiful. She's just a sable color. Yeah. So sometimes it's they're intimidating enough in their passive block that the person won't escalate to you. Mm-hmm. But if they do, then she's like, come on, let's get out of here. You got to go. <laughs> and she'll bark or make an alert. And then a lot of times, you know, then the veteran is just like, hey, I, I got to go. And you, you leave the situation rather than... Punching someone in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the world would be a better place if everybody you know. had a dog like Maxine. We can't put that burden on Missouri Patriot Paws, but we can <laughs> try to help some veterans and first responders have a service dog. And what does someone need to do if they know they need a service dog? We have everybody go to the website. And I'll link that in the description, yes. On the website's an application. You fill out an application. It's your basic demographics. And then we verify that you're either a veteran or first responder and that you've been diagnosed with the PTSD or brain injury, either or. And then Susan gets the application. She'll do a phone interview. And then she'll find out where you go. If you're in St. Louis, if you're in Poplar Bluff, if you're in Kansas City, what team are you going to be Mm -hmm. with? Then once all the paperwork's complete, she's done her phone interview, then you come to us. We do the home interview and a dog eval or we are placing a dog or something, and then you get started. So uh, it's pretty simple. And even to their, the phone numbers on there, we have a Facebook page. We have lots of people reach out, a uh, Facebook messenger or pretty much any means. And um, either Susan or I will give you a contact back. We typically reach back within 24 hours to answer questions or start the application. Some guys don't have internet where they can print the mm-hmm. application off because we do require them to mail it to us. So if that's the case, we'll mail it to you. With the return stamp, it's, uh, you know, just that application process. That Make it as easy started. as you can, but there are necessary yeah. steps. Exactly. I don't know how many listeners we have out there who fit that description, but I know we have lots of listeners who want to help. So how can someone help 
veterans, first responders, and more specifically, Missouri Patriot Paws? We have a couple different types of helpers. <laughs> we have people that want to do fundraising events for us. They want to host some sort of thing and uh, have us come out. We usually come out with the dogs. You know, we set up a table, people can meet them, that kind of thing. Or we also have people that work that table. We have people that come to the event just to man the table and help set up, help tear down, because it's a lot of work to do some of these. Volunteer organizations of every size, from our small one to the biggest ones you can think of, people who aren't involved in those organizations don't realize the value of just sometimes having a body. <laughs> yes, exactly. A body you can put somewhere to man a table or to clean up or to set up or right. direct traffic. Yeah, and uh, this year, unfortunately, with COVID, we haven't mm -hmm. had events, but in previous years, I average up to 60 events a year. We do lots of presentations where we go talk about service dogs, what the difference between a service dog and an emotional support animal is, or a therapy dog. Some people might use the term service dog, support animal, assist dog interchangeably, but there's actually differences between between the different kinds of dogs. Absolutely. So to break it down easy, because Let's go with it's easy. all detail. Yeah. <laughs> I try to say an, an emotional support or ESA dog is kind of like your pet at home. Mm -hmm. They provide emotional comfort. You love them. They're there for you, but they're at home helping you. A service dog does those things, but they're helping you in public. So you're taking them to help you in public. Okay. And then you have a therapy dog, which is trained to help others in public. So that's kind of the difference where an ESA is going to stay at home and provide that support. A therapy dog is going to go out and help others, not yourself. And then a service dog is going to go out but help you. An ESA dog is more of a pet. It doesn't mm -hmm. require any kind of formal training. You don't have to have any kind of certificates or schooling, anything. Now, with therapy dogs, they are required to have hours of training that are documented and provided upon request because they're going out into public. You're taking it into a nursing home exactly, or a school, children's a hospital, home, or, a hospital yeah. places where they're helping others. So they definitely have to have uh, documented training and work hours in public. Same with a service dog has to be trained. And something about our program is that we are an accredited training program. We are accredited with the AKC, ADA, and the Assistance Dogs International. That's the good thing that though it's not required, say you're in public and you do have a scuffle. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you still have that proof that your dog was trained mm -hmm. um, to kind of cover yourself and your dog. Mm -hmm. But there's not an ID card. And there's not where a lot of emotional support animals, they buy an ID card. Mm -hmm. And it's backed with a physician's order that they need that emotional support. And that's fine. But you do have that proof of your therapy dog or service dog. We require all of our trainees to keep a logbook of all of their hours, their training hours logged. Typically, I get an average of 220 hours. 120 is required by law for good canine citizenship testing. 
And I think for therapy work, it's the 220, I think, of, yeah. Something like that. Something, um, we focus on service dogs. <laughs> so any more service but. dog questions, you can direct those to Jay and Sandra. But yeah, as far as emotional support animals, therapy dogs, take your questions elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> or to Susan, because Susan does therapy work in the uh, rest of the state as well. So she knows a lot more. And that's how I think she got started was with therapy dog first. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> you said you give presentations. Are those mainly for people considering getting a service dog? What's your audience? We educate kids on service dog etiquette and adults <laughs> because uh, adults sometimes don't know what to do. Maybe they've never came across a service dog. Mm-hmm. So we do lots of those, but then we do a lot of fundraising and a lot of fun things that I like to get all of our teams out to because after all, the service dogs are going to be in public. So I like to get them out in public with their dogs as often as possible. So any kind of events that people are having, we love to come. We like to educate. And then, um, of course, being a nonprofit, it's all uh, fundraiser based. Something that I'm proud about with Patriot Paws is that none of us, at least here in Kansas City, none of us are paid. All of our donations go 100% back to our veteran teams. Here in Kansas City, we provide the veteran with all their basic essentials. Sometimes we're hosting drives, too, where people are giving us dog stuff, leashes, collars, toys, food bowls, Mm -hmm. food, whatever. So we also do donation drives a lot, especially with schools or things like that, because otherwise I'm purchasing those kits with our fundraising to give to that a veteran, especially those that have never owned a dog before. Yes, who, who <laughs> are asking, what no do I need? Bowls. Well, you need lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, a, everything. A, a, a uh, typical dog by from start to graduation runs us about $2,500 a dog. So y- you can imagine we've got 12 dogs this year, mm-hmm. the kind of budget we need to keep this thing rolling, and it's getting bigger. Yeah. And that $2,500... Probably doesn't account for any surprise medical bills if that no. dog, you know, right. gets a cut or... Yeah, because we do, um, in some situations, help with that, especially a lot of the guys coming to us may or may not be financially sound, mm-hmm. uh, which is why, too, when they come to the program, I like to provide that first basic kit. So, you know, that kennel and food and water bowls and the training Pouch. Yeah, don't make them choose between feeding themselves and taking, taking care of their dog. dog. Right, well, because well, it's a big thing, right? You know, like she said, some of these guys have never owned a dog before. They don't so even know the financial responsibility. They don't know <laughs> that, you know, a kennel's $200 or, you know, right. whatever. And, and looking at it and you're thinking, oh, my God, now I got I got to spend, you know, two, three, four hundred $400 on all this mm-hmm. stuff. For and you dog. can make sure they get, because you can get leashes that are worthless, Exactly. And if you've never had a dog before and you're looking at the shelf and you're like, well, this is the one I can afford. Right. And you end up spending more in the long run or you're mm-hmm. putting your dog in jeopardy because it's not a leash that's secure. Right. You're going to make sure someone who's inexperienced gets the right kind of leash, a sturdy exactly. kennel, not one that the dog's just going to accidentally walk yes. out of. Exactly. Kennel pad, even even food and water bowls <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of matter. Because yeah, also, you can get a cheap one, and then a week later you realize, I should have spent more on this. Right. And yeah. then you end up having to go buy the nicer uh-huh. one that actually 
does the job. Yeah. So we actually tell our guys when I do their home eval and everything, please don't go buy a bunch of stuff. If, even if you can, don't. Because a lot of times they just have no idea what to mm-hmm. get. <laughs> um, and you know. a lot of our stuff, too, is stuff that a pet owner doesn't have. You know, right. a treat bag, a poop bag, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like that. And specific training. training collars and yeah. things that we mm-hmm. use that you wouldn't as a pet Exactly. Owner. So our kits are tailored to our program. Right. I encourage our listeners, if you feel inspired by Missouri Patriot Paws and the story that Jay and Sandra have shared today, you can get involved either by making a donation or making contact with them and saying, I want to help when we can have face-to-face events. I want to be there. Find out what items they need for their kits. Help them with that. And perhaps more importantly than any of that, spread the word. Let other people know about Missouri Patriot Paws and let other people know that there are veterans who need these dogs, there are first responders who need these dogs, and there are dogs that need homes. Exactly. It's a second chance for veterans and the dogs. So That, That is so well put. I think that's how we need to finish. Perfect, Jay. Thank you so much for what both of you do, Jay and Sandra Sindeldecker. Thanks for being on Dog Words. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Jason and Sandra Sindeldecker from Missouri Patriot Paws. Subscribe to Rosie Fund's YouTube channel for video of the Sindeldeckers training service dogs to use their new boots. We have more videos coming from Missouri Patriot Paws, so after you subscribe, click the bell to be notified when those are posted. Also, use the link in the description to learn more about Missouri Patriot Paws and listen to our interview with Program Director Susan Hinkle. Remember, you can commission recent Dog Words guest Ashley Shans through her Facebook page, Shans' Sketchbook, to sketch a beautiful memento of your pet with the proceeds benefiting charities. This makes a great gift, especially if you know someone who has lost a pet. Please use the keyword Rosie, R-O-S-I-E, when you contact Ashley if you want Rosie Fund to be the beneficiary charity. Next time on Dog Words, we explore acupuncture for dogs and other veterinary topics with Dr. Sally Barchman from Stateline Animal Hospital and Holistic Health. Make a difference in a shelter dog's life by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. The link is in this episode's description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission to help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. A big thank you to Alternative String Duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Also ask them about their Valentine specials that include a professionally arranged and recorded love song of your choice for your sweetheart. Their contact information is at thewires.info. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other.